I don't need the details. I just want the feelings. What were no, the, well, the feelings? Feeling, no, no, the feelings were, hey, this is beyond us. I mean, I th- immediately said, what's the cost of this place? <laughs> I mean, you did know. Did you think you were going to have to pay for it? I'm Margaret Pothig, and this is Keeping Dad Alive. My 95-year-old dad and I are talking about a $50 a night hotel suite in Rome, Italy. The time is 1968. I like the way my sister Johanna tells this famous family story. When we went on our trip back to the States through Europe, my family was living in the Philippines as mission workers, and every five years we went back to the United States for a furlough. This time we met our grandmother in Rome. Grandmother had reserved us a room at the Eden Hotel in Rome. And we found ourselves in this beautiful hotel and marble everything and birds flying out the window. And I remember having a bath. Oh my gosh. I remember I was sliding into the bathroom. I kept climbing up to the edge and sliding into it. Yeah, you were, you were, you were, and you wanted to get in it. Our house in Malate had like a cement bathroom. If the water tank was full enough, you could have a cold shower. So to go from that to the Eden Hotel, <laughs> Dad goes down to pay the bill the next day. And Grandmother had given us the money for this trip, mind you. She had given us some money. Our mother's mother was upper middle class. And she thought we were roughing it in the Philippines. She wanted to treat us to something very special. I was 11 years old. I remember you saying, $50? No, we're not going to stay here, you know? And we went straight to the YMCA. Like Scott and Dad were like the YMCA. Mom and the girls were at the YWCA. (laughs) We went from this marble fancy room to this big room with cots you know went from like luxury to like camping basically it was the rudest reminder there's really no other way to put it my dad is a bit of a fanatic when it comes to spending money and it affected us in many good ways but also some not so good ways so we've been having conversations about what We've learned from Dad about money, Johanna. Money. (laughs) Money, a topic close to our heart. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was a kid, sometimes people would come to our door wanting money, right? Right. The Philippines. Right, in Manila. and, And I wanted to give them money. But I knew, and, you know, you might put your change out on the dresser or something like that. Uh-huh. If I would even move a coin, you would know. <laughs> I remember you emptying your pockets of change and stacking your money and counting every penny. And I also knew it was off limits. That's for sure. Wow. I'm trying to get, get myself around to why, why was this so important to me? It's understandable at one level. My dad was supporting a family of six on a salary that began at $3,400 when they left for the Philippines in 1957. Knowing my dad, though, he was probably saving a lot of money on that income. There's something deeper at work here. We never got your side of the story about that hotel in Rome. And what was going on with you? It was really heavy. I mean, we were talking about big bucks, okay? Uh, we, we've been very frugal, is the right word. Frugal in how we spend our money. So I immediately said, what's the cost of this place? <laughs> place? I mean, you did know. Did you think you were going to have to pay for it? 
No, no. If, if your grandmother set it up, I know. That's what then I, why did you move us out of there uh, if she was going to pay for it? Okay, let me think this one out now. I, I had a feeling that that the elegance of the whole place, being in it, was beyond us. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean. Uh, it was a really fancy place. I mean, this was no, 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 no two, two-bit hotel. I hadn't been in a place like that before. Okay. You couldn't bear being in this fancy place. Couldn't I couldn't. Bear it. I couldn't bear it. And was we, it a class thing, Dad? Yeah, yeah, it was class. That that was that was basically it. Was it really class consciousness that caused the mental anguish we've all witnessed in our dad when he deals with money? It's worth revisiting that my dad grew up in a working-class immigrant family in New York City during the Depression. The bank account was opened at the Bank for Savings in the city of New York on September 2, 1931. My dad discovered an old bank book in a small metal box containing his dad's personal effects. The first entry was for $1,500, a magnificent sum for that decade of the Depression. And so begins the account of my dad's family history told through money. The initial deposit was likely compensation for their losses in a tenement fire. The entries of deposits and withdrawals are episodes in our family's life during the 1930s and in the 40s as our family struggled with its fragility. We were just making it, okay? I mean, that's part of the scene of how I became so concerned about money. So there's a lot of anxiety there. Absolutely anxiety. My dad wrote an essay based on the bank book titled Deposits and Withdrawals, which is posted on his website, onthesidewalksofnewyork.com. Rome's Rome. I mean, yeah, Rome's he, Rome, yeah, Rome is yeah. Rome. What did and Mom think? Do you remember? Did, you, did Mom agree with you? Or? I think she was a little taken back. She would have liked to have been there, okay? I thought to myself... Maybe this is what Eunice was used to. And that okay. bothered you? Yeah, it did a little bit, uh-huh. Because it was a really, I mean, it was out, out of my cost range and also out of my ambience of what I wanted. Ambience being here, an interpretation of how do we live? How do we live? We live within, within means, okay? Right. <laughs> Poor mom. Mom was really looking forward to that. Hotel. I know she was. I think she was. I mean, Dad, you really you had some kind of psychological uh, blocks when it came to. Uh, I know I did. I had I had psychological blocks. Mom, on the other hand, I could go right and get money from her. Her change, and she would she would never notice. Our parents handled money differently from each other, and it rubbed off on us kids. I asked my sister Carrie to read a letter our mom wrote to her family back in the States. Dear Mother David and Jen, the kids' gift buying was, as usual, hilarious and hectic. It follows a pattern. Margaret is the first to buy and wrap her presents. She gets them all out of her two pesos and 45 centavos a week allowance and never asks for a subsidy. This year, her presence included a box of carefully burned matches, which were usable as charcoal for Johanna to draw with. Johanna saves her money, plans her presents carefully and in advance, and often gives expensive gifts. 
Carrie never has any money, can't think of what to buy, and usually ends up giving Dick a collection of her poems. Money, money, money. You think that's all we ever talked about in our family? Most of us took after our dad and that we're avid savers, but all of us took after our parents in one respect. Here's my sister Erica to explain. You guys maintain separate accounts even back in the 1950s. Was that correct? Probably right, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I mean, and, and you maintain separate banking accounts like throughout your marriage. We did. We did. We had separate accounts. I have my own bank account and Ray has his own bank account. And I learned that from you guys. Oh, yeah. I have separate bank accounts. In my own relationship, we both kept our money separate. In the early days before mom collected her own paycheck, dad would give mom a portion of his paycheck. And then they divided responsibility for household expenses proportionately. In those days, they gave one salary to a couple. It was like the husband who was the one who was employed to go overseas, okay? In the 1980s, the tables turned and mom became the primary source of family income. I never got a chance to ask if she sliced off part of her paycheck and gave it to dad. I grew up when mom and dad, for most of my life, uh, were both employed. So, you know, I grew up in a dual income household, which made uh, perhaps dad a little bit more relaxed about money than he was otherwise. Erica is the youngest in the family, nine years younger than me. This means she had quite a few years growing up alone with our parents after I left for college. In fact, I used to go downtown. Downtown Chicago. On the bus, beginning when I was 11 or 12 years old with mom's Marshallfield credit card. Because she didn't have time to go shopping with me for clothes. So she sent me down with the Marshallfield credit card, which Marshallfields let me use. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You really did have a different growing up experience. And in fact, I remember this one pair of Gloria Vanderbilt overalls that I just fell in love with. And they were kind of on the expensive end. But I went ahead and bought them knowing I could return them, but that I wouldn't have to return them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Erica, I remember those overalls and you looked adorable. I them. know they were pretty awesome. And I wore them a lot. <laughs> the thing that I was just reflecting on with regard to the credit card is that women were only able to get their own credit card sometime in the 1970s. Really? Yeah, I think that's right. Yes. Or they had to have their husband or someone else co-sign for them. Erica's right. It wasn't until 1974 that women gained the right to obtain credit cards separate from their husbands. So this, this credit card, it was actually kind of an empowering thing for mom. It came through loud and clear for us Pothic kids that it was important to be financially independent. The message was driven home primarily by our dad's anxiety around money, but through mom's example, we were able to appreciate the full range of benefits that financial independence would bring. (laughs) 
So you talk about taxes, Margaret. I remember doing my own taxes with dad when I was 16 years old. Really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But you would always have the dining room table. Oh, my gosh. Because you (laughs) saved every single receipt. One financial responsibility our mom never took on was the taxes. That was dad's job. So about five years ago, when I grew concerned that mom would outlive dad, my parents gave me their financial powers of attorney, and dad taught me how to do their taxes. You got audited one time, and you had, of course, every single receipt. Now, my recollection of that story was that they audited you because they didn't believe how much you gave to charity. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. Because as good Presbyterians. So let's talk about tithing, because I remember asking mom once, I said, Mom, do you tithe from your gross or your net income? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, Erica. Does God give you any less than you deserve? (laughs) And then what I heard is that they audited you and then discovered that they owed you money. Now, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is right. (laughs) But I can attest to the fact that dad kept every record because when we were moving him out of Chicago, Erica, he had his records from the 50s. (laughs) It's your security, you know, it's your having things in order. I think it's the same way you take care of your plants and all the leaves. You have a certain attention to detail and it's the way you line up your socks, the gray to green, you know? <laughs> so tell me this, what do you think about your kids and the way we handle money? No, I, I think you've learned from your old man here and your mother, well, mostly your father. Well, it's good we had both mom and you because because I think just having you and money, there was too much emotional fear and everything around it. But I was never at a point in my own financial life. The most I've ever made in my life in in 87, 87, 88, that was the highest. What was it? How much were you paid? 35,000. That was your highest salary? Yes, it was. In your life? In my life, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dad's experience of having to work five jobs in college drove him to prioritize savings for college above anything else. I mean, the fact that he enabled us to do that without any debt is, and again, it was a different time, uh, is really remarkable. You're always the one to give a very special gift when you could. I remember you gave me some beautiful things, very special. So when you gave a gift, it was always something really nice. It wasn't the easiest thing for Dad to hand over control of his finances to me, but he appreciates it now. It's such a relief to me. I think about it all the time. I, I know that Margaret's always going to be there, so I don't have to think about it. And I appreciate having a dad who, at the end of each day, emptied his pockets, and counted his change. Because I wanted to see you get through life. I worry about every one of you making it uh, without having any problem. And you have. And, however, I still want you to be able to do well when I'm gone. We'll be fine, Dad. You can relax now.
The music in this podcast is DMAY, licensed from Audio Network, and under the Creative Commons license from Blue Dot Sessions, Scratcher by Darby and Let Go Gecko by High Horse.